Mount Zion Church. How are we all doing today? We get church started? Maybe on time this time, though. We're five minutes late. That's all right. I'm going to open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day, Lord, to be able to serve you and love you and love on each other. And we want to thank you for everything you've done in our lives, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to have Jerry come up and do an announcement. For the month of March, because we will be having two potlucks when our candidates come to uh, to be here on the 17th and the 24th of March. So no, no sandwich Sunday, the first Sunday in March. We have Sunday school downstairs. We're still at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. And uh, we have one more week with the, with the uh, one we are doing right now in the footsteps of Jesus. And so we will probably have something new to report next week for a new Bible study week following week on that. Uh, if you haven't gotten a flyer about our candidates, they're on the back table. If you want to read about them or find out anything about them uh, through uh, our little flyer back there for, for them. And we have Wednesday night Bible study is downstairs at 6 o'clock, and that's continuing I will be monitoring, <laughs> I'm not teaching the class, I'm just helping out, <laughs> co-hosting, Dennis won't be here next day, next week, so um, other than that, I can't think of anything that we need, Mr. Bob? Well, good to see you all, thanks for being here today. also want to pray for um, Angie, too. Um, Angie is uh, one of our board members and has a spiritual background for this church. And uh, you know, we miss her and Donna a lot as well. Um, anybody else have any prayer needs before we uh, go into worship? Yes, Donna. Are you back? Yes. You're next? Okay. And we will be doing prayer up front for you. Any other prayer needs before we close the service? Lord, this is a time of prayer in your house of prayer. Jesus, you are our Savior, our healer. And Lord, we know on this uh, earth, Lord God, that we do face tribulation. But we have a solution. And that solution, his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's the solution to all our issues. Whether they're health, emotional, financial, you are. We will cast all our worries and all our problems on you. First of all, we're going to pray for Nalani over there, Aunt Han. We know she has lots to do. And Jesus, we just pray over her, Lord God, and heal her hand. Lord, step in there and heal it up. Make it fast. Make it good. Make that hand stronger than it was before. We also pray for Johnny back there as well. He's had back issues and neck issues for such a long time. And he's 
came here today in church as a step of faith to be in the U, and hopefully to be in the congregation. But Lord Jesus, we know you're in this house, and we know you're everywhere. And Lord, touch Johnny's heart. Just let that neck get back. Heal that up. We just pray that you heal that up. And then we praise and praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And of course, you know the spiritual background of this church. We've loved you so much. And your goal is just to get all these houses, Lord God, and get them to come to the state of God and get back into church and get back to our ministry. Bring her health, Lord God. Restore her again, Jesus. And hold her. We pray for her healing. We love what you've done in her. And we love the way that she expresses herself. I ask for a blessing on Sam Bennett. He's a step in that U, Lord God, and he's going for those cancer treatments, Lord. But you're bigger than tumors, Lord God. You're bigger than illnesses, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, we just pray for a total restoration of his body and a total restoration of everything emotionally going on and all of his emotions. We thank you that we have you to thank you. And we thank you for the belief, that faith, that you're sovereign, you rule over all, you take care of everything, you oversee all your children, and that basically, Lord, you provide. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray these prayers. Amen. All right. Now let's start some worshiping. Isn't this awesome? Um, the house, the pastor's house, is almost done. We've got just a few things left to do. But we still need some income for his life. So that's taken care of. We've got uh, three rooms taken care of. I'm not going to say master bedroom, living room, and dining room. Go ahead and start worshiping. Tara, have us sing. 4031 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And there's a song that goes with that. that teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. You know, even when we're waiting on God, he's working tremendously in our hearts. And so this morning, just if you're having to wait for something, if you've asked the Lord for something and you're waiting, whether it's a healing, whether it's a financial, whether it's a relationship, God is working behind the scenes because Jeremiah 29, 11, remember what that says? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope in the future. That's a little bit of Sarah's language there. But that's the gist. He loves us so much. So as you stand or sit or kneel or however the Lord lays upon you to worship, however your style, you're welcome to freely worship him. Blessing and honor, glory. To the ages of creation, from every nation, all of creation, bow before the ages of creation. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory, and every knee shall bow at your throne. In words and
is what is left. The little cat I think is somehow the only faithful cat.
and said to him, Full of fear and scary thoughts. That's what God put in his heart. That's an enemy trying to dog bite you. So when you have that, you have those moments.
and take this again today, Lord, and keep on encouraging me and grow. Thank you for blessing this church with your doctrine and your piety. Thank you for giving us this privilege to be able to study your word. I'm a low-tech type of guy. I would never, I would never uh, work against wood and stuff because we all have this uh, fancy mic, and uh, and so I like to have something that's right up here near my mouth, so I feel a little bit more secure. I can hide my mouth. So. You're probably looking at my day, day boy, day. Um, so you see that that is not my sermon title. That's okay because we don't we don't want to forget that changing the world and trying to grow is a vision, right? A vision of this church. It should be a vision of each one of us. Because I'm going to talk about God's banner. You say, well, what does a banner have to do with a stick or a rod? What does a banner have to do with God's love? going to be talking about a word that's very important. And I want you to go and turn to the 17th chapter. I'm telling you, you know, usually we're usually having this stuff up on the screen, you know, we don't have to have to do these things. So it's kind of exciting. We're almost like an old time church here. You know, <laughs> Brian, you want me to get my own Bible out? What are you talking about? I don't even know where Exodus is anymore. I just look it up on Google. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> look at the banner of God. Now, let me give you some background. <clears throat> the Israelites have been delivered out of Egypt. They walked on dry land across the where the Red Sea was. God opened up the sea so they could walk right down through the middle of it. And then they saw God close the sea up and kill his army. And they saw Pharaoh take his prophets. They saw the bodies of of the soldiers. Bible is not rated G <laughs> in many places. They they walked through the wilderness up to this point. They had they were homeless. Uh, 
they had a pillar of cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night to remind them of the presence of God. And they came upon many different needs, one of which was, if you've ever been in that part of the world, you realize that you're in the desert. Uh, closest thing in California would be the Mojave. And so they were beside the Red Sea, but the Red Sea is salt. Can't drink salt water. You're in the middle of the desert. Where are we going to get water? And if it was just a group of 10 people, it would be a bad thing. If it was 100 people, it would be a a worse thing. If it was a thousand people, it would be even worse. But we're talking about millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people. And here they were going through the desert. And they found water, right? But then they found out that that water wasn't fit to drink. It was bitter. And each time that they came up against a trial or a need, they would run to Moses or they'd start grumbling to the Lord and they'd say, Lord, why have you brought us out here into this wilderness? We're all going to die. We were better we were better back in Egypt in bondage as slaves. There were times when Moses just wanted to give up and give them up to their own complaining and grumbling. There were times when God wanted to give up on them, but he didn't. And so these were the things that were happening, and God took and gave them manna every morning. They would go out and find manna to collect it for that day. And then on the Sabbath day, they would have, they would have an extra before the Sabbath so that they could collect the manna. And then they would, they would have that over the Sabbath. They wouldn't get the manna on the Sabbath day, but God would, God would preserve that. But any other day, if they collected more manna than what they were supposed to get for that day, the manna would, would get worms in it. It would, it would degrade. It would spoil within a day. And so they had to rely on God every single day for manna. Every single day, they had to rely on God for water. And God was with them, but they were in a desert. There was no arguing about that. Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. Esau was the brother of Isaac and Jacob. Esau was the oldest, and he was the one that should have received the blessing 
from his father. But we know the story that Esau didn't revert, didn't reverence the Lord. He did not value the blessing in the way that he should. And so the blessing went to his younger brother. And we know that through that younger brother and through Joseph and the tribes of Israel, the Israelites as a nation became all of these people who were walking through the desert and having to trust on God for a daily bread and daily water were the Israelis, they were the Israelites, and Amalek and the descendants of Amalek, the grandson of Esau, born enemies of the Israelites, came upon the Israelites as they traveled through the desert. So now, not only did God they had to rely on God for their water every day. And if you look at the first part of the chapter 17, you see they went through that again where they were complaining about the fact they didn't have any water. And God said to Moses, take the staff, the rod, and strike the rock, the rock, strike the rock. And water will come out for the people. That was a lot of water. It wasn't just a little fountain. Think about how many people needed water. It was a river of water, it says Noah, not a fountain. And Moses had the rod in his hand. He walked with it. It was a symbol not only of authority, but it was also a symbol of God's presence and anointing. And so as he has the rod in his hand, we see in the 17th chapter that the, the Amalekites, who were the descendants of Amalek, they came and they attacked the Israelites. And Moses said to Joshua, I know who he is. He has a book named after him. Oh, Joshua. Joshua, the one who became the leader of the Israelites as they crossed the River Jordan and took the cities of Canaan and the promised land. God had promised the Israelites. So Joshua and Caleb that went and spied out the land. Remember, they were the ones that, that came back with the report that they could take the land. And all the other spies said, oh, no, no, we're giants there. And then the Israelites wandered for 40 more years. Think about this, Joshua, a young man. Joshua, the first name in the Exodus in the Bible. Joshua. Joshua, 
Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and so on went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hand, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hand, the Amalekites Then Moses' hand grew tired. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so the hands remained steady until the sun set. So Joshua overcame the army of Israel. Now, I want to stop just for a second and talk about that family. That God had blessed as a symbol of his presence, authority, provision, an instrument. There was nothing. It was a stick. It was just a rod. It wasn't anything magical. It was just anointed by God to be used by God as a banner, as a rallying point. You know, sometimes we need to see something. We need to have something that represents what God is doing in our lives. This was not God. But this was the banner. You see, a banner is really, really important in the military. If you don't have a banner, you have radios and they have communications. And they don't use banners anymore. Well, I would point you to the fact that, number one, if you've ever been to a boot camp, at least in, in, in the Air Force, I saw this with my own eyes. Each, each group of recruits, each group of those that uh, have been trained in basic training, they have a banner for their regiment, for their group. And when they go to graduation, they carry that banner, that flag. And it identifies them as that group. This was the identity of the Israelites. They knew Moses was holding up the banner on the hillside. And as long as the banner was held up, They were winning. Arms down, they were losing. In 
fact, they had to get a stone and put it under our advocate's head. And then they took and they held one, one man, Aaron, on one side, her on the other side, held up his arm so that he could hold up the rod, hold up his hand. Folks, we can't do this by ourselves. I think that this is a good illustration of the fact that we need each other to hold up each other's arms. We are not an island unto ourselves. Even though God loves us, he has a plan for us, he's going to bless us, and he's going to provide for us, he wants to involve those around us in that blessing. And he wants to involve us with him that will help us. I think it may be that we need each other so that God can work his plan. Our banner and that he will meet our needs. And that is exactly what Moses said. He said, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out his my banner. He said, for the hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord and the Lord would be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Words of life. We hear Jehovah Jireh. We hear all these other names of God. But Jehovah in this means God is my banner. He is the one that I can run to. He is the one who can lead me. He is the one who I can identify myself to and know that I belong to. You see, in the Civil War, many groups of fighting soldiers came together from many different states and names and many different to fight in the battles of the Civil War. And during that time, even the buglers and the drums and the and shouting could not be heard on the battlefield because of darkness, because of the, the rifle fire, because of the gunfire, the, the cannons going off, the horses, the men screaming and yelling. In the midst of a battle or a war, there's, there's a lot of confusion going on. And what you need is you need a banner. You need something that's going to show where your faith is. You have to identify yourself as part of those people because can you imagine if you were working 
and you didn't know where your fellow soldier was. There are Who's in control of that area? And it's a rallying point. And I know wherever this flag goes, that's where I need to be. On the battlefield, if people are fighting one another, the musket fire is going, the rifle fire is going, if the cannon, cannon is balls are landing, I need to know where my commander wants me to be. And in the Civil War, they would have, and it was an honor, there would be someone that would carry the flag of the Union. And then there would be someone who would carry the flag of the regiment, wherever they were, wherever they came from, whoever they belonged to. So the, the flag of the Union and the flag of the regiment. Folks, this is our flag of our regiment. It has the symbol of our commander on it. You see, this flag identifies us other than Christianity because it identifies us of who we belong to. And so they had the flag of the Union and the flag of their regiment and who they belonged to. And those two people carried those flags without any arms. In other words, they didn't have any guns or weapons on them to defend themselves. And on either side of them, what they called the color guard, would be the armed men with the rifles and the weapons to try to protect those who were unarmed that were carrying the flag. And why was it so important? Because I needed to know as a fighting man in this field of battle with all the confusion where my group was and whether they were pulling up or they were going to pull up. I needed peace. Where my men were. It was a great disgrace for the regimental colors that the colors fell into enemy hands. They would fight with their lives, sacrifice their lives, so that someone always carried the always protected the flag. Across the United States, in the Northeast, in the different capitals and other museums, they still contain in places flags of regiments that carried their flag into battle. In this modern age, a lot of people don't even know about that. And those places still are in existence for that, what those flags mean. You see, they realized that the 
Susanna was very, very important. Someone had to carry the banner. Folks, he leads carrying the banner of the Lord, just like Moses led carrying the rod of the Lord that was for them. He was carrying the banner. That means that we have to hold the arms up. That means that we need to protect that person. We need to bless that person. And we need to pray for that person. For their importance. So, so very important in the battle that we have with the evil one. Even now. In this last day. about it, folks. This isn't just a coincidence in God's word. When Jesus uses this, when God uses this through David right here now, when Jesus talks to his disciples about the suffering, talks about taking care of his enemies, giving in a battle, he never says that you're going to have to rely on each other to make it through. And he doesn't say that you're not going to need to pray with all of your heart and cry out to the Lord. Because I'm telling you, if you've ever been in a battle, if you've ever been in any kind of battle, my enemy is sickness and death. And I am warned to those enemies whenever I come upon them. I am, there's two things I hate, sickness and death. Death. It is. But we can have the hope of knowing that we know that God is with us because Protect your rod and your staff, they will comfort me. Why? Because I know you are here to protect me. And even in the midst of all of this, Lord, you will prepare a table for me, prepare food and nourishment and encouragement and what I need even in the midst even in the middle of those enemies that want me to fail 
الشريك لاعيننا is it sickness is it financial ruin is it is it a, a, an evil presence is it a real person is it something else whatever it is it isn't the lord that is trying to hinder you or attack you or cause you to become discouraged. Maybe it's hearing the things in the news that you're hearing. Maybe it's a bad medical report. Whatever it is. Lord, you said that you would prepare a table for me. Even in the midst of my enemies, you would hear me. And so, we actually come at the very end of this to the text of the sermon itself, the text of the message. And it kind of went back to the, to the beginning. You see, in the Song of Solomon, it is written by Solomon, who wrote an interesting book. Um, a lot of times we see a man and a woman that we wonder, Lord, why did you put this book in the middle of this great Bible right after Psalms? And yet, it shows us something about God. Let's look just briefly at the text for the sermon this morning. In chapter 2, second chapter, and this is the lover's song. This is the gentleman's song. He says, I am a rose a lily of the valley. And then, you know, here's the thing. Isn't this interesting? You get down to the seventh verse, and it says, He has taken me to his happened with the lover. Think about what we've talked about so far. We've talked about how God provides. And, and we're talking about this, and he says, and she says, I, he has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banquet, his banner over me is love. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Folks, God's protection over you is his love. His provision for you is his love. Jehovah Nisi, God is our banner. 
his character, his essence is all about love. When he sent his son to die on the cross, it was all about the fact that he loved you so much. He loved every creation of heaven and creation of earth. He sent his only begotten son so none would perish, but all would come and know everlasting life. Doesn't mean that God isn't just. He is very just. It doesn't mean that there is not judgment for sin because there is definitely judgment for sin. But he has provided, like my wife reminded me, a ram in the thicket just in time that we don't have to sacrifice ourselves for our sins. We don't have to pay for our own sins if we don't think it's necessary. And we cannot pay our sins. We can never be good enough to get into God's heaven. We cannot ever get past the the justice that needs to be met out for what we have done. But he sent his son so that we might have life. He is over top of us. Listen to this truth. When the enemy comes and says, you're nothing, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to throw you into disrepute. I am going to show everyone that God is not alive. His banner. God is our banner over us. Just as true as the blood that was put on the lintel and on the top of the door of every Israelite home in Egypt. When the death angel came, it passed over them. Why? Because of the blood. Because God was their banner. God is your banner. Know where your provision comes from. And know that that provision comes from the God of love. You know, in the midst of all of this, and I read that, and I thought, boy, the Bible does a thing. And I thought of an old song that I heard as a boy that a dear friend of mine used to play on the piano. And they loved singing it. And sometimes they just sang the chorus. But then I, I looked it up, and I tried to find a video because I wanted to get the words, right? 
And one of the worst things that we've done, I think, in my opinion, it's not in the world, it's just it's my own opinion, and that is we've taken hymnals out of our church. And so a lot of times those old songs, those values, hymns, are no longer available to our young people. They don't know those songs, only what's on the screen. You know, we all used to have to read notes to find out how the song was going to go. You know, you had to have the pianist had to have a hymnal in front of him so they could play the piano. You know, the pastor or the song leader might come up with some song that, that they didn't know, so they had to have the notes in front of them. I had an English teacher one time say that one of the best ways to learn how to how to read was to go to church and, and get a songbook out, and, and you sang the hymns, and you followed with the words, and so you learned, you learned how to read from the songbook, from the hymnal, from the church. do that anymore. Anyway, that's just my opinion. There is here is the song. It goes like this. I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley in him In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my strength. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of my soul. He, all my grief has taken, and all my sorrows bore. In temptation, He's my strong and mighty tower. I've all for him forsaken and all my idols torn from my heart. And now he comforts my tower. Through, though all the world forsake me and Satan tempt me sore, through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He'll never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do his blessed will, a wall of fire about me has nothing now to fear. For he is there. He's the friend that Jesus promised to me. Then sweeping up the glory to his blessed home, where rivers of delight shall overflow. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand. 
hundred years of years. Ten years. Hundred years. Hundred years of grace. He loves us so much. He cares about us so much. Look for him, the banner of protection, the love that we need, the provision that we need. He is our provider. And he loves us more than Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Lord, I pray that we'll remember, that we just remember the crazy man of yours up on the platform with us, speaking it, who jogs our memory, Lord. But let us remember also, Lord, in the midst of all of us, that you are our banner. You are our protection. You are our God, and that you will provide for us. No matter whether we're walking through a valley of the shadow of death, or whether we're near the quiet and still stream-getting water, Lord, if we're in the presence of our very enemies, Lord, you will provide Lord, you are faithful through the years. Lord, look at Joshua. He won that battle with the Amalekites. Years and years down the road, he was winning battles for your people and leading your people to conquest. Lord, you are faithful through the years, and you will remain faithful to us. Help us, Lord, to cling on to you, to cleave ourselves to you, because you are Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our Creator. And your banner, Lord, over us is protection. Lord, we pray for anyone who doesn't know you as your as the banner of their lives, as the flag of their lives as a protector of their lives. Lord, they haven't come to you and asked you to forgive them of their sins. Lord, you said, go, go, and all you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Lord, as they come and ask you to forgive them of their sins, I pray that you would touch them and that you would forgive them that you would bring into their lives more provision, more love, more peace, more hope, more joy than they could ever imagine. And Lord, that you will communicate to them that that won't just exist now for we breathe in it in, but it will permeate and we shall be with you through eternity. Praise the Lord. Lord, bless us, we pray. Touch us this week, Lord. 
encourage us to pray. Meet our needs today, even as we seek to worship you. Speaking.